If you are an HR professional, business owner, or at the operations level trying to understand what people want, you may be struggling. Our systems have been shocked, practices have been questioned, and culture is the leading conversation. Let's learn how culture is created, sustained, and why it should be the leading conversation when discussing hiring, training, and retention. This is the foundation of any business, and it's time to address it. So tune in to Let's Talk HR, humanizing the conversation. We tackle topics that influencers of change need to understand and struggle to overcome every day, such as where to start and what the new workforce wants and how to attract and keep positive momentum going. I'm your host, Leanne Lovely. Welcome to this week's episode of Let's Talk HR. I get the honor of talking with an amazing um, individual this week who's not only well-liked in his community, he gives back to his community um, and is just all around an amazing person. Uh, David Bellman is a second-generation builder, developer, and realtor and past president of the Metropolitan Builders Association in 2016 and past president of the Wisconsin Builders Association in 2017, as well as director of the National Association of Home Builders. David is a Wisconsin trustee for the National Association of PAC Fundraiser. David hosts a podcast called Home Building Heroes, which has been downloaded 270,000 times. David has won numerous awards, including 2017 Waukesha Freeman Citizens of the Year, Top Choice Award for Best Builders in Milwaukee six times in a row, and 2020 Emerging Leaders Award for Waukesha County, and 2022 Wisconsin Builder of the Year. This is an amazing individual that I'm very excited to have a conversation with. Thank you, David, so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me on, Leanne. I'm honored that uh, you chose me to have uh, have you as a guest on the podcast here. So yeah, I'd uh, love to talk some HR with you. Yeah, excellent. So David, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, I am a home builder. Uh, that's how I started my career. And so um, I always tell the story of how I kind of got into the industry. Uh, and, and I literally grew up in the home building industry. It was in the basement of our home. And so uh, dinner table at night and everything, uh, heard, heard the conversations about home building and trades and contractors and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, one day I found myself uh, nine years old, uh, uh, getting a little sassy with my dad and uh, I said something I probably shouldn't have said. And uh, I found myself on a job site uh, with a broom and a shovel and he dropped me off there and left me there. <laughs> And uh, he said, start at the top and work your way to the bottom. And I swept out the house and uh, cleaned it. And he came back later and picked me up. And I don't think you can get away with that anymore nowadays, but. Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, there was some valuable lessons learned that day, you know, about the value of hard work and, and respect. And uh, he gave me a check, which when you're like 10, 10 years old, whatever, nine, 10 years old, and you get a check, it's pretty cool. Uh, you, you think you're really cool. So, um, but I learned, I learned, you know, the value of hard work and, and what it took to kind of build these homes and the hard work that it takes. And um, I, you know, like that check. And so I just got more and more involved and kept doing more, more work on the sites as I got older and, and more skilled and um, eventually took over the company and have do home building, land development, real estate now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. Like you said, I don't think that you could, <laughs> 
do that nowadays. Um, yeah, the HR bells are going off right now. Like, yeah, you can't take a minor and yeah. drop out. Yeah. <laughs> ding, 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 especially a, especially a job site. You know, those are the, uh, yeah. But definitely a valuable lesson. Um, wow. Uh, growing up in a family business is definitely um, different, you know, different dynamic. Um, compared oh, for sure. To- yeah, so you transitioned to you know, basically run the business. Um, what? How many years ago now is that? Well, it's it, it was definitely a process. So um, my father, you know, started the business in the seventies. It was land development, real estate, and then we got into building in the eighties. And then um, around uh, ninety nine, um, I my brother and I uh, were in the business together. And um, my dad was like, "Well, I, I want to start to phase down some things," and then you know. In talking to, we, we had a lot of conversations with attorneys and different things like, well, why don't you guys set up your own corporation? We'll kind of phase down the one and build up the other one uh, because there's a lot of assets and things involved with real estate and, and land development. So that just seemed to make sense. So you could wind out some properties we could, you know, so we worked together for about 15 years, uh, a little bit short of that. But what happened is after partway kind of doing this, this partnership with my brother, uh, it wasn't, wasn't really equal. Uh, as far as uh, we we had equal ownership, but not equal workload or anything. And so, um, you know, he moved out to a lake and wasn't coming in all the time and was doing other things. And, um, you know, I was kind of running the show, so to speak. And um, it, you know, it was fine. I, I was like, this is for the greater good. Just keep the company going the best way we can. But, you know, after about, you know, 12 or 14 years of it, it was really wearing on me. And, um, you know, my father was, you know, more transitioned out by that point, he was going down to Arizona in the winter and stuff. And uh, it became hard when my brother would come in and, and try and upend everything I had done. And I'm like, well, I've been here all week and now uh, you just showed up, you know? So it created conflict. Um, it did get a little bit difficult for a while and challenging. Mm-hmm. And I, I finally got to the point where I, I didn't even want to go into my own business anymore. Oh, wow. And, you know, when you own your own company and you don't want to go in, that's not, not good, right? That's not where you want to be mentally. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and it was hard on my team and I could see it. And I, I, I kind of got to the point where I said, I'm, I can't put up with this any longer. I'm, I either have to buy him out or I, I, I'm just going to go off on my own. I can't deal with this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of how I had to, I had to have the difficult conversation with him. And, and I talked to my father about this too, because obviously this was, you know, his business and his, his vision to have us work together. And, and he's like, I, I know what's going on. And he's like, I support you. I don't want to get in the middle of it, but I'll, I, I support you. So I was like, okay. Um, so, you know, I had that difficult conversation with them and, and um, you know, said, this is it, we got to do this. And, and it was difficult for a while, uh, but I'll tell you what, after we got through it, I bought them out. Um, it was like this like black cloud lifted over the company. And it was just amazing after that, the, um, the spirit in the company, the energy, the uh, engagement, um, the results. I, I mean, it, it just all like started to happen. Like, it, you know, for somebody that was watching from the outside, they're like, what the hell? Like what happened? Right. Mm-hmm. But it, it was something that was going on for a long time. Cause I was trying to improve the company and raise the bar and install a vision and, and uh, you know, a culture in there and he was resisting it. So it was like, once we kind of got that piece out of it, you know, everything just kind of happened. The awards started coming in, all sorts of just stuff like that. It, 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 if you didn't know what was really going on, you, you, you'd have just been like, what happened there? Because that's just, it just looked like we shot out of a cannon all of a sudden. Right. 
Very interesting. And this is a conversation, obviously, that's happening at so many companies, which is what, and it, I'm sure that most of you grasp that, which is the, the, the underlying culture that's happening within companies. Um, and it, it starts from the top, right? It, it oh, absolutely, absolutely yeah. starts from the top. If the top is not um, actively seeking and actively taking control of the culture of an organization, the culture is, is going to be in turmoil trying to figure yeah, out there's what culture in Yeah, there's culture in every company, whether it's written down or practiced mm -hmm. or not. So it's why take that chance? Because if you don't have it written down, it's probably not going to favor your company and not going to favor you as the owner. Um, so you want to have kind of a rules of the game. And I always kind of say culture, much like a sales process, is kind of like playing a board game with a three-year-old. <laughs> have you ever played a board game with a three-year-old? <laughs> Oh yeah. I have a four-year-old. Yeah. So okay. yeah. So, you know, it's like, it's great, right? You, you kind of talk about the rules for a minute and then you start playing the game and they're like, okay. And then as soon as something bad happens, right. And they mm -hmm. have to go back to start or something. It's like, they start trying to, you know, change the rules, manipulate the rules, mm -hmm. or they just want to walk away and quit the game. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to be really clear on setting the rules of the game, whether it's your culture or your sales process or whatever it is. And, and when you start to build those things in, um, and then the cool thing with the culture on top of, you know, just having, you know, now clear rules, um, when you have a really good culture, then the team is actually enforcing the culture. So sometimes even you as the owner aren't always following the points of culture that you uh, wrote down to a T, you know, and they're holding you accountable, which then, you know, you have a really good culture, Right. but it also makes it more apparent when you have a, a culture that you're committing to when someone doesn't fit the culture. Mm -hmm. And I experienced this as well. So we really went all in on that. And, um, you know, that's when a lot of that good stuff started to happen. But then I, you know, I brought someone else in from outside the organization when I hired them. And within a week and a half, I knew like, this isn't really going right. This person doesn't seem to fit in. And then I was having people from the company come to me and be like, this, this person isn't cutting it. And, um, you know, I had, when I had three people come up to me separately and I'll say that, um, I took the person in my office the, the next morning, first thing in the morning, and I let them go. And I just said, this is not, it's just not a fit. I'm sorry. You know, it's, it's on me. I, you know, we made, you know, uh, you know, mistake here and I apologize. And, um, you know, and then it, it, it kind of just helps separate people out. Like the, when you have a really good culture, you can see the really good people. They'll tend to even perform better. Mm -hmm. And some of the moderate people that you have in your company, they'll either step their game up to meet, meet the standards. And then, if there's someone that doesn't, they kind of stick out more. And a lot of times you don't even have to fire them at that point. They basically realize that this isn't a fit for them. And they actually will a lot of times move on mm -hmm. and it saves you from firing somebody too. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And this, so this happened um, a couple of years, I'm assuming a couple of years ago that you and your brother parted ways. Yep. Yeah. It was about yeah. 2014. Okay. So parted way. And, and I'm sure that that had to, you know, first, I didn't mean to skip over that. That had to have been a very emotional, rough time for you because um, while you are, yes. you know, going through all that, you're also at the same you know point trying to save the company culture, save, you know, and, and rise the company up. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of things that, yes, it was extremely difficult. And I always say that was probably like the most difficult thing I've ever had to, to deal with in my life. And, um, you know, it also kind of was coming to a head because like in the building industry, you know, the 2010, like 2008 to like 2012, 2013 was really a terrible 
housing market and is putting a lot of stress on the organization just from a financial perspective. And then, you know, when you have somebody that's, you know, taking a lot of, you know, money out of the company, a good salary and, 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 you know, he always wanted to pull money out and it's like, okay, if, if I let this keep going, we're not going to have a company. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of like, at, at the same time, I kind of had the, I, I have to do this um, or it's, it, I know where it's going to head. Mm-hmm. It's got to go one of two directions. So, uh, you know, and, and my dad it had been in the business a long time. I think he was wore out with it. And, and this, especially going through a recession like that, just didn't want to deal with it. And so it was like, I have to step up and take the reins. And so it was also like another lesson in having one voice in one direction, mm-hmm. you know, cause it was kind of like we had too many chiefs and, and not enough Indians. So I kind of came in and said, okay, I'm, I'm the voice. I'm, I'm the one steering the ship now, and this is what we're going to do. So we were all on the same page. Everyone was super excited about what we're doing. And we put a, you know, a vision together, not just the culture, but the vision of creating the ultimate building experience. Okay. Customer at a time so that we really raised the bar. And, um, you know, at first it was like, gosh, are we ever going to do this? And, and we still, you know, have to improve on that every day. But when we raised the bar like that, it just, it, it really differentiated us and it really made it uh, a focus instead of, you know, most of my competitors trying to be the cheapest or the, mm-hmm. you know, I have the best quality, which is super subjective. We're like, Hey, we want to have a good experience because this is it's a stressful time building a house. So it was really neat to kind of go off on that direction. And it, it really, really, really helped us grow and set us apart. Awesome. So let me ask you now, kind of going back to this, this cultural piece, um, when you started down that path, so now you're, you're in a position of, okay, now I'm the, I'm the owner of this business. I now have, it's my voice. It's my, it's my vision. How did you even begin to, I mean, did it, you know, I'd like to say, it's, oh, it just magically falls into place, right? But yep. there's obviously no, it was a very lot intentional. Of work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, it, it, how did that? Ahead. What did that look like? So, what I did is, you know, I just didn't want to have something on a on a piece of paper on the wall, right? You know, I mean, everybody can write up something, uh, a mission or something, and you know, maybe they slap it on the wall and then they forget about it, and that's not what what I wanted to do, and I knew that that wouldn't work. So. What, what we did is, well, first of all, we engaged everybody in the company as far as when we built the, the vision, the mission, had some general ideas, and you know we had a meeting or two to kind of refine what it was going to be. Uh, we got people's input. So we have a, I have it in three steps. So we have the vision, which is the overall top of the mountain. This is the where you want to get to the pinnacle. And then you have the mission statement, which is kind of how you're going to get there. And then I had the points of culture. And these are the, the characteristics that we want our team to exhibit in order to get there. And so the points of culture are really important because those are the little nuggets that, you know, hey, we're innovative. Hey, we, you know, honesty is a key piece. Um, you know, uh, there's so many of like, I have 14 of them actually. So I don't always even remember them off the first cup, but those are the, the our points of culture. So what I did is, you know, we wrote these all out and how they relate to Bellman Homes. But then what we did is every single month we had a meeting and as part of our company meeting, we would spend about 15 minutes uh, on, on a point of culture. So we would say, let's take you know innovation. And I would have some educational material, um, whether it was a video or a discussion. Um, creativity is one of them. So, okay, we, we did an activity about creativity. I remember we actually, I gave everybody a certain amount of Legos and we had to eat, they each had to build something out of this random pack of Legos to show their creativity. So we just 
always add an element into our meeting. So not only do we have this big thing blazoned on the board and it's on our website and on all our literature, but we actually started to actively uh, learn and, and uh, you know, practice what we were talking about. And we, we did that for several years where we just went really hardcore into that. We've lightened it up because I have the same people now and it's like, okay, they get it and I don't have to beat it in their heads anymore. But uh, as we add new people, then I kind of add those elements back in. Well, that's amazing. And you now you said a key thing. You have the same people, which means that whatever you're doing means that you are creating retention. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really have a lot of turnover uh, anymore. And, you know, like a long time ago, I mean, we've always had being a smaller company, it's been pretty good as far as retention, but you know, I, I love my dad. He was, he was a great builder. He was not good at the people side of the employees part of the business. Mm -hmm. He would rather be on the job site. He didn't want to manage the office or deal with office stuff. So I always kind of naturally fell into that. And, you know, there was a lot of times where he hired people and it was like, man, I can't believe we had that person for that long. And we put up with this for this long. And so uh, I've been very intentional. Like we actually have a hiring process and we have, I have um, pre-made interview questions where I get certain pieces of information out. We're very deliberate about hiring. I don't hire somebody right away. And I know that's probably a no-no in this market with things being so tight, but I would rather like take my time. And even if I lose out on somebody, I'd rather get the right person because for me, if, if, if the fit isn't right, if the, the, the group isn't good together, it's not worth it. Right. Uh, and uh, so I hire very slow. Uh, I do fire quickly if I have to, but um, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. And even in a tighter market, I, I've still, I, it might hurt me, but that's how I would do it because I'm looking at somebody that I want to be with my company, not only today, but 10 years from now. Right. Well, and like you had kind of said, one bad hire can upend the cohesiveness of of a team. And so, yeah, you know, the whole, you know, bad apple spoils the bunch right. is is very, very true. And, and, and you have a bad culture fit and you don't deal with it. Yeah. I mean, it could rip your, your company apart. It might cost you a really good employee. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen it in other organizations where that's happened. And, um, you know, I've made the mistake. I, I've not, I had perfect hires and I'm, I remember uh, just kind of an example for you for, for hiring, you know, in, in, I have real estate sales, right? So for a while I was just, okay, if a realtor came in, they had a license, they wanted to come work for me, they were hard to get. So I was just like, okay, uh, you know, I'll bring them in and give them a try. And um, I got really good at finding the realtors and then bringing them in. And then I realized like, okay, they need a lot of training. They don't really get new construction. Mm -hmm. So I built, built a training program. And then what I was finding is then my competitors would just kind of see my salespeople and they would reach out to them and they'd be like, well, you know, you come work for me. I'll, you know, I'll give you, you know, 1% more or whatever. I have percent more. And so I would get them all up and running I get them productive. And then I had them get stolen. So then I was like, okay, I, this, this stinks. So I had to, I then rebuilt my, my program again and, and changed and created my own comp program where I actually guaranteed part of a salary to them. And I was like, okay, steal my people now. Now you got to pay them a salary. And all of a sudden nobody stole my people anymore. Right. You shifted with the market or you shifted with, you know, the situation in order to continue to, to re retain, which I, I've never heard a real estate agent getting a, a salary. Um, yeah, so we did. That's... We do have like a salary plus deal that we created and it worked out really well. Um, so it was, you know, but basically there was always a conversation with the salesperson when you put them on this program, like, you know, you know, you're going to get, get a stable salary. It's, it's kind of enough basically is how mm -hmm. I did it. It's like, yeah, it's enough that, 
you know, you can, you know, pay some bills and put gas in the car and get some food and all that. But, you know, if you're expecting to live off this, it's not, you know, right. they, they had to sell something or a couple of things to really, you know, and then as they did this, the commission went up. And so that worked out really well. And that allowed me to then really heavily invest in these people a lot more. Mm -hmm. But then there was always a conversation of, you know, if, if we're six months in or eight months in and you're not producing, you know, we're going to have that, that difficult conversation. Mm -hmm. So they kind of knew like, yeah, I gotta, you know, I gotta bring some stuff across the finish line here on occasion. And, um, it, it worked out good. And the other thing that it allowed me to do, which was really amazing is that, um, because it is so hard to find agents and get people involved with, uh, something where you may, you know, when the market's good, the sales come in pretty well, but when the market's bad, you could not make money for a long time. Right. Right. So it kind of allowed me to bring in people that didn't have a lot of an experience, but that were good people or fit the culture of the company. And then I could take a little more time with them and train them and also build that loyalty. So mm -hmm. I had some connections with the tech uh, tech school in the area and a lot of design students were coming in. We were talking to them about home building and most of those design students were not going to find full-time jobs in design because there just isn't. Right. that many of those jobs in this market. Mm -hmm. So I said, you have to learn how to do something else like sales. You can still do design and do sales with this type of job. And so I was able to recruit some younger people and teach them. And that's worked out really, really well. Awesome. So, awesome. Yeah, so, so, so when you run into a roadblock, I guess the moral of the story is like, there's, there's always a different path or a different way. And you got to stop thinking, you know, all, all I have to do is put an ad in the paper and then, you know, interview somebody and hire them. It's like, there's definitely other ways to go. Right. Right. Great. So I want to shift a little bit. Um, you know, so you, in, in your intro, we, you know, I, I talked a little bit about, you know, some of the amazing awards that you have won. And you had mentioned that, you know, as you took over the company, that's when you really, you know, you just kind of yeah, shot kind of exploded. Up. Yeah, you yep. exploded. So let's talk, you know, a little bit about that. I mean, what you've, you've won multiple um, awards, um, including the what the Waukesha Freeman Citizens um, of the Year, the Top Choice Award for the Best Builders in Milwaukee six times in a row. Yep. And that's, wow. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we were, um, yeah, we've been very fortunate. Um, you know, part of this, you know, can, you can attribute to culture of the company because a lot of the awards are company awards. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as I was kind of going through that process of buying out the company and things like that, um, I, I worked with the coach a little bit. And, you know, one of the things that really stuck with me on this was if you want to grow the company, you got to grow yourself and you can only grow as, as much as you're willing to grow. So I started investing more in myself. And that's really where a lot of this came from is I started, you know, I, you know, I went through college, I graduated college, I did pretty good grade wise and stuff like that. But, you know, when I was done with college, I'm like, I'm done with textbooks, I'm done with reading I'm done with learning. And I did, I kind of just shelved it for a while. And, you know, I started to kind of get back to, you know, I, I want to start learning more about this stuff. So I started reading about things like I'm not, not as good at finances as other people. So I started reading books about finance, and I started reading books about hiring and culture and, um, just other business books. And I, I developed that kind of hunger to learn and grow. And as I was doing that, you know, I was also seeing the company grow. And, um, you know, I, I made a point to every day spend 15 minutes learning and reading something and, and investing in myself. So I think that was a big part of it as well. And then the other thing was the mindset shift. And uh, I wrote a, a book about leadership. And, and so that's in my book about 
uh, mindset is really key. So, uh, you know, being grateful for everything that happens to you in that day, even if it's not been the great day, there's always something to be grateful for. And then taking the time to focus on where do you want to go? What's your vision for yourself? And who do you want to be? What's, you know, where do you want to get to? And so I started to develop the CS mindset and I started getting uh, more involved in a lot of different things. So I, I uh, volunteered, or I got chosen to be the president of a local builders association. And then I got the uh, asked to be the state president and I'm serving on a national committee now. And so I, you know, those are things that I've done because one of my thoughts for myself was I want to be a leader in the housing industry. Mm-hmm. So I, if I want to be a leader in the housing industry, how do I do that? I have to, I have to be a leader, right? I have to choose to lead. Right. And um, so, yeah, I think that's a lot of that. And then, you know, just kind of all comes together. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it was something you said that in order for you to grow your business, you have to grow yourself. And that's um, in the people that I talk with, that is a common thread that you have to be willing to um, continue to educate yourself and um, in emotional intelligence, really um, a great deal, but also in, in areas of study, um, you know, make yourself, if you're weak in one area, you know, try to expand your knowledge. And if you need to hire somebody to, you know, be the expert in that area, um, you know, sure. Like, for example, I, I got seasoned accounting in college. I know I don't really like the subject. It's not that interesting to me. And I'm like, I know I can hire somebody to go do that and they'll do a lot better job than I do. So part of it is understanding where you're weak and bringing in somebody that, that has the skills that you mm-hmm. don't have. But at the same time, I like when I, I learned accounting in college, it was like, well, this is a debit, this is a credit. I'm like, I'm, I know I'm not going to do this work, so I'm not interested in it. But now as I'm older, I've read, you know, a lot of stuff about accounting, but I look at it from a different perspective. I want to say what information on those balance sheets and income statements is on there that, that I can use to now make more money or improve my business um, or have better results. And so I, it wasn't that accounting is bad. It's just that the information that I was presented wasn't the type of information that I needed Mm -hmm. as a business owner. So sometimes it's learning a, you know, a better way to utilize that information or get information that you find more valuable. Right. <clears throat> Sometimes it's, it's learning what you don't know in order to be dangerous with the information that you, yep. that you, yeah. 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 So, and, and the more knowledge you have, I mean, the more dangerous you can be. Right. And it's mm-hmm. just, you know, there's, there's that whole knowledge piece. And then there's the whole kind of the mindset piece, which is hard to quantify, but it's just the, um, the mindset and the law of attraction piece which, which I do believe in. I don't, I don't push it hard because a lot of people think I'm crazy, but you know, it, you, you get what you put out and you get what you're, you're thinking about all the time, right. And what you focus on. So mm-hmm. you know, if you're focusing on positive outcomes, you're focusing on, and you have an actual plan for yourself or a vision of where you want to go, um, you're much more likely to get there. It's mm-hmm. just like being on a boat in the middle of the ocean. You know, if you don't know where you're going to go, you can paddle anywhere, but you may not end up anywhere. But you know, if you got that map and you go, okay, I know I want to at least go this direction mm-hmm. and I got you know, some food with me and I got an ore and this and that, well, now, now you might have a much better chance of succeeding. And so I think those kind of things, the education piece and the working on yourself and having a, a, a direction you want to head, those, those are the things that can get you to where you need to go. Yeah. And I'm a huge, huge believer in you. What you put out to the world will somehow come back to you. It may not be one of those immediate, it's, well, I, it won't be an immediate thing, but it, 
put out positivity and positivity will eventually come back to you. And if you walk around, you know, on a, with negativity just seeping out of you, oh, yeah. that's what you're going to get back. I'm, yeah, I'm a and huge believer in that. I've learned that and obviously going through that with, with the buyout of the company. Uh, but, you know, I started to surround myself with more positive people, more mm-hmm. growth-minded people. And then more opportunities came because right. I'm surrounding myself with more of the correct people that I need in my life. And I still, yeah, to this day, there's, if there's somebody that I get, you know, a bad vibe from, it's like, I, I almost have this natural instinct where I just, I, I, I will get out of that conversation almost immediately. Like Run I will, away. yeah, I, it's just, <laughs> right. there's just certain people that have a bad vibe and mm-hmm. you can almost, you get attuned to it you can kind of pick it up. And so, but then when you have somebody that, you know, you connect with or, you, you have a similar thought process, you know, you tend to attract more of those type of people. So, right. you know, again, you want to attract more of the right people than the wrong people. So I, I, I believe the mindset thing is, is key. And we spend a lot of time on that, especially in sales too. Yep. It's like, do you want to attract the, the good customer? Or do you want to attract the customer that's going to drive you nuts for, for a year and probably cost you more sales? Right. And, and we well, know what the answer to that is. So, well, and it's, in, and it's interesting when you, you said sales. So um, what, one of the rules when I first, you know, somebody was like, okay, when you make cold calls, set a mirror in front of you and make sure that when you're doing those, those calls that you have a smile on your face and you're like, that's crazy, you know, but it's, it's a hundred percent true because when you're smiling, your voice sounds completely different. It is. Oh, it, absolutely. Right. That's, that's great advice. Yeah. And you know, um, again, going back to the mindset piece too, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, I've read some sales books where that, you know, they talked to this guy and he would go into like sales meetings and he, he just wasn't doing well with the pitch. And then he said, I started sitting in my car for 10 minutes. I'd get there early and I'd sit in the car for 10 minutes and I'd visualize and I'd, I'd, I'd predict or, you know, visualize the outcome and, and how this went. And then all of a sudden he was, you know, closing a lot more deals and it, yep. it, it's, it's a lot of what's between the ears and, and how you present yourself. And yeah, you're right. Smiling is huge. Um, the other big thing is just understanding personalities. Mm-hmm. And I've been fascinated with that. So I you know, spend a lot of time with disc and I teach my sales team disc yep. profiling and stuff like that. But when you can kind of match someone else's yep. personality or their learning style um, and understand what it is and present the information in a way um, you're automatically miles uh, ahead. And mm-hmm. so uh, that's a big part of it as well. So it's, you know, not only how you present yourself and, 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 and your, your state of mind, but it's also then, you know, connecting with that other person in a way that they appreciate. Right. Yep. So, okay. I, um, we were going to bring us back in, rein us in, cause you know, I could go down this path, obviously being a salesperson, you know, my day job and you obviously, you know, being owner, but also salesperson, you, you know, um, we could talk about this forever. Anyways, so you, you are involved in a lot, the things that we have, we've talked about, but, um, you, you know, you, you've done some amazing things. One, you are involved with Young Guns, which I have, um, I have actually attended every single, um, Young Guns. Thank you. I appreciate it, that. Yes, yeah. It's, it's great. And that, you know, mindset and everything, every time I go there, there's always, great tidbits of information that I walk away with. It's always energetic. It's always just, you know, very energizing. But something that I, I really wanted to, to touch on is is Operation Finally Home. Tell me about this. And sure. where did this start and how did, you know, that develop? You're going to find some parallels with a lot of what I've talked about. But right. um, yeah, so Operation Finally Home, first of all, what it is, is it's it's a really awesome organization. It started down in Texas. And what they do is they find a very deserving wounded war hero and they give him completely or her 
uh, completely free of charge, a free home. And it, what we do is um, they, they basically um, look for builders that want to, to help with this. And the builder tries to get as much material and labor donated as possible. And then um, you know, do some events to raise money to cover the rest of the cost. And um, there's a lot of media. There's a lot of things we do to create awareness for this. And then Operation My Home finds the really deserving family. So most of these people are people that have wanted to serve their entire life. They've had a severe injury in, in, in battle. They um, you know, obviously need the help. So these are people that are very selfless people. They've given uh, to the country. They're given to, you know, they've risked their lives for us. And I can't think of a better person to give a, a gift like this to than someone that's, you know, taken a bullet for us. So uh, it, it's an easy sell sometimes to people. Uh, but when you meet the families and, and, um, and you help them, it, it's just so amazing. And um, I, you know, kind of going back to when I was going through this stuff with the company, you know, and, and trying to find the right people and all that kind of stuff. I was at a, a, a trade show in Vegas of all places. And um, one of my vendors took me to this concert. It was a country music concert. I'm not a country music fan, to be honest with you. But I'm like, I was in the mindset of I, I, I'm going to accept I'm willing to learn and grow. So I'm like, okay, I'll go. And it was a benefit for Operation Fly Home. So I learned about it. The people were so positive. They're so amazing. The story, I, I learned about a veteran that lost his legs in the war. He had six kids at home and he didn't know what he was going to do with the rest of his life. And then they give him this home and totally changed his life. And so it was touching. And it was right at that time when I wanted to grab onto something and I needed something positive while I was going through all this negativity. And so that's where I kind of got involved with it. And I committed to doing a home. It was the first one here in Wisconsin to do it. It was such a great thing that now we've done six of them. That, wow. That is, um, I cannot, I got goosebumps. I cannot <laughs> imagine um, the feeling that not that the veteran and the veterans family have because one to to serve your country and to be injured is obviously a, an extremely traumatic event and to have that that oh my gosh what am i going to do from here in order to support my my family but then to be able to you know be given some hope of now i at least have a a landing i have a, yep. a landing you know, to be able to, to put my family in a good spot, in a good. Yeah. Then... I mean, when you think about it, you know, like, okay, if this is, let's say you're young and you're idealistic and this is what I want to do for my whole life. Right? right. And then all of a sudden just in this snap of an instant, right. It's taken away. Right. So that alone is traumatic. It's stressful, but then to have like a physical ailment attached to that on right. top of it. And it's not always physical. Sometimes it's a mental oh, it... issue. You know, PTSD and traumatic brain injury oh, yeah. are huge. Um, and, and most of our families not only have the physical injury, but they have the mental injury. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes people see that people are giving a home to and they go, well, they look okay. Right. Well, they might look okay. They might walk around fine, but you know, they've seen things that you and I would never want to even imagine mm -hmm. and probably seen that daily or, or multiple times over their career. And so that affects them too. So there's all this stuff going on. And then, you know, the home just takes away so much of that worry for them because now they know if something happens to them, at least, okay, we've got the home, we've got a place to live, you know, yes, they still got to cover utilities and insurance and stuff like that, but that, that just takes so much burden away. Right. And um, yeah, so we, we not only just, you know, give them this home, but we do a lot of cool things. So we surprise them 
and they don't even know they're getting the home. And a lot of times we'll, we'll, we'll find them. They think they're going to get an interview or something with me. And then also we're like, Oh, Hey, we chose you for the home and we surprise them. We catch that on video. So you get all this really cool organic stuff that happens. And then uh, we bring them out to the, uh, the groundbreaking. We do a really cool ceremony. We get a big 50 foot flag hanging from a fire truck and we drive them under and the community's out there cheering for them. And I mean, it obviously creates good PR and awareness in the news media, but it also, you know, creates, you know, the, the excitement and the donations and everything else that keep this thing, you know, moving along. Right. And so I've been very blessed to do this and I've learned, you know, I don't just build houses now. It's like, okay, I know how to put on events and do other things. And uh, it, it, it's kept me very busy. Um, there's a lot to do with it. I could, I could come into work at four in the morning and leave at midnight and, and have plenty to do every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously can't sustain that, but um, yeah, there's, it, it's always something to, and it, it provides a lot of energy to be able to, to do something uh, for someone else and um, you know, make a difference in someone's life. I can't help hundreds of people with this, the way it's set up, but I can, I can change someone's life, you know, forever. And that's, that's so impactful. Well, and we, as people can't help everybody, but we can help one person. Absolutely. And if everybody does that, you know, what an impact we can make. And the fact that your, you know, your company, your business is able to do that. Um, it, it's awesome. It's absolutely amazing. And, and you're absolutely right. Um, you know, obviously I have, I have, you know, bipolar disorder. I have, a, you know, I've struggled my life, my whole life with mental health issues. So the sure. idea that somebody comes back with PTSD, I can't even begin to imagine even experiencing what I have experienced, what it would be like to, experience PTSD from being in war, seeing what individuals like this see, and then also have a physical ailment, you know, from being shot, losing your legs. I mean, those, those sort of be, yeah, it's, it's a lot to, to, you know, and the hardest part for me, quite honestly, when I do this is that I I get the final sort of sign off on the family. Mm -hmm. And so I, I get a stack of papers. These people are extremely vetted as far as we don't want to give a home to just anyone. We want to make sure that they're very deserving, that they're somebody that's going to do something really well with this gift afterwards. So, I mean, I get a stack of papers that's an inch thick and I'm reading, I I feel like I know their whole life story, right? When I, but you know, it's, it's hard to read these sometimes, especially when they start to talk about the injury and what's happening with them and their family and their dynamic. And it, it, you know, when I first heard about this, it really frustrated me because I was like, I thought our government did a better job of taking care of these folks. And yes, they get, they get, you know, a retirement thing and things like that, but it's, it's not enough. They can't live like this. And especially if they've got an ailment. Um, So I was like, man, this just, it was like one of these things where I'm like, it was just a wake up call that we have to do more for our veterans. Right. And um, I was never a veteran. My my father was, was in the military, but um, I, I have no military experience myself, but I felt guilty and I felt like I have to give back. And this is a great place for me to give back. Right. No, and I wish that our government could um, do better for a lot of these individuals. And and you're seeing more and more people popping up. Um, you know, I've met quite a few people who are veteran. I I served um, in the Army National Guard um, for well, a thank short. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Um, I didn't do anything. I broke my leg. Um, you know, before I did anything for our country. So I, um, you know, don't advertise that, but. Course, now we just did, but anyways, um, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, but the journey there's it is part of my journey, but there is, um, there I feel like we need to get better as a, as a complete society on 
how to help these individuals trans transition back into society and um, give them more mental health, you know, assistance oh, and give yep, them, absolutely. you know, more. It's the same thing. And I, I don't want to compare these two, but it's the same thing with somebody who's transitioning back into society coming out of incarceration. A lot of absolutely. those individuals go right back into jail because it's easier. Yeah. Well, and you haven't fixed the core problem, right? You know, especially like with, with inmates and, you know, we've done some work because obviously you're trying to get people in the trades here, you know, sometimes that's the pool that's there. And so, you know, they've actually created this cool program. Um, it's called the Home Builders Institute. And they actually all set up a training facility in, in a jail cell and they'll, they'll teach them a practical skill. They'll teach them how to weld or they'll teach them how to, you know, do carpentry or whatever. So at least, you know, not only do they have something that they're productive at, and they're not just sitting there all day thinking about what they did, but now they actually have a useful skill. And so now they're starting to attack the root problem. And, you know, um, this, you know, same with the military is like, you know, they, they have to kind of go through um, some, some mental things, you know, and, and, but then taking that big worry off their plate helps a lot. And right. I've seen these people completely change from when I first met them and, 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 you know, we provide them the home and then, you, you know, obviously we have six families we've helped and I know all these folks and we invite them back out to a lot of things that we have and you see how they're doing. And, and in general, they're doing a lot better, you know, and mm -hmm. they're, they're starting new careers and they're, they're, they're growing their family and they have time with their kids. And that's the whole other piece is like when they're deployed, they miss their family. Like they're not there and they might've missed six months, a year, two years of really important time with their family. Right. Wow. Well, David, um, you, you obviously, I mean, your journey is definitely one of, of, you know, amazing. It, it's amazing. You, you've, you've gone from, you know, young age being in a family business to, you know, changing the culture of your company to being involved in some very amazing things. Um, you know, we're coming to time. Um, so I have the question of the season, um, sure. that I would love to, to hear. Um, so if you could go back to your younger self and give yourself advice, when would you go back and what advice would you give yourself? Uh, well, uh, as far as when, um, I guess I would say probably uh, maybe early in my high school career, because um, I think that's a good time when you're still trying to figure out who you are. And as far as the advice, it would be two things. And I kind of touched on it already, but one would be, you know, the mindset piece in that, you know, you get what you think about most of the time and, and really have a vision for who and what you want to be. And then to continually learn and, and invest in yourself and grow. So you're not done with your textbooks when you're in school, you don't want to continue to learn, you want to continue to grow. And if you're growing yourself, you know, you're, you are a living organism, just like a tree, a tree doesn't stay in one spot, the tree is always either it's going to grow, or it's going to die. So be, be like a tree that continues to grow and branch out. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're going to cap out pretty early. So um, that that's what I would tell myself, because you know, I was a good student in, in school, but I wasn't, I had no confidence. Like I was the shyest kid ever. I like, I thought of me even doing this as a kid, I probably would have been like, no way I wouldn't do this. And now I like, I'll go out and talk on a stage with a couple hundred people and I have no problem doing it because I've, I've built that confidence. I've built myself um, by doing these things and then challenge, you know, be willing to challenge yourself too, you know, and push yourself out of your comfort zone. That's, that's another if I had to add a third one, that would be my third one. So <laughs> I'll stop awesome. there because no, I guess I go on all day. That's great. That's great advice because there are a lot of young, um, young adults, young kids, or 
I should say older kids, young adults that still have not grown that confidence. Um, and to, you know, hear somebody who's as successful as you give your, your younger self that advice of yeah. don't be well, afraid some of the to best take stuff. that risk. Yeah. Some of the best stuff in life is, you know, it, it's not easy, right? And, and mm -hmm. you have to do something hard or, or be willing to take that more dangerous path or difficult path to get to the really good stuff. And so I think, you know, we have to, we have to be mindful of that sometimes. And, you know, I, I'll kind of leave you with this. And I remember when I agreed to do the operation, finally home house, um, I was at um, a thing in the Dells and um, it happened to be that day that they asked me to lead the state builders association. So within like a couple minute period, I had to make a decision to, to lead this organization, which was like a five-year commitment. And then they happened to also be talking about Operation Fly Home. And I was the only builder in the room that knew about it. And I volunteered at that meeting as well then to, to lead the first project in Wisconsin. And then I'm driving home in the car for two and a half hours sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, what did I do to myself? Um, <laughs> but, but it was like, I made those difficult decisions, but I knew I was the right person for this. And this was what I was meant to do. And it was going to be hard, but it was going to be worth it. And, it. and it very much was. So right. um, I guess that's just sort of the, the story to tie it all together that, you know, you, yeah, you got to kind of push yourself and, and, and challenge yourself. And it's way more rewarding when you do that. Right. You didn't, you didn't bite off more than you could chew. You, you actually took the entire sandwich and just shoved it down. <laughs> just shoved throat, it in my right? mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I but remember you... driving home to him and I was like, how am I going to tell my dad this? He's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, sometimes you have to also trust in yourself that it's going to all work out and you don't always have the answer right this second, right? Like right. I didn't know how I was going to raise all this money. I didn't know how we were going to get this home built. I didn't even know where we were going to build it, right. but I knew that somehow it would work out. Right. Sometimes, yeah. you know, taking a leap of faith is, is okay. Yes. Yep. Right. So um, if somebody wants to reach out to you, wants to get involved in anything, you know, young guns or operation finally home or how would they go about doing that and sure. know that it'll also be in the show notes so you don't have to go through the entire thing, but, um, you know, please. Yeah. The easiest way. Um, I mean, there's a couple of ways I I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So just look up David Bellman on LinkedIn and connect with me there. Send me an in message. I'm glad to start there. Um, otherwise if you want to email me, it's my name. So David at Bellman homes, it's B E L M A N homes.com. You can email me there, um, you know, and then from there, you know, I, I'm, I'm usually better with email. So that's the best way to go. And then, you know, we can certainly have phone conversation or whatever, but you know, I have a lot of people that I connect with and they help out with, you know, volunteering with Operation My Home or things like that. So, you know, we can have a conversation and, um, you know, that kind of thing, if that's something you're interested in, or you just want to learn about the home building process, or you, you want some inspiration, you want to grow and learn, come to a Young Guns event. Um, they're, they're really great. And, the best part about it, not just is the education, but the people that you meet there and the connections that you make over time, um, because there's a lot of great people there and they're all in the same mindset. And so you're going to, you're going to make some, you know, great connections, just networking with people there too. Perfect. Well, David, again, thank you so much for, you know, talking with me today. It's been, um, yeah, it's been a very great conversation and I've really enjoyed it. It's my pleasure, Leanne. Thank you so much. And then best of luck to you. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.